0: Beth and I'm a Psychological Wellbeing Practitioner from Newcastle. I just wanted to say the biggest thank you to the contributors of the Clinical Psychologist Collective book. I've enjoyed reading this so much and I've loved having an insight into the range of backgrounds and experiences people have prior to applying for the doctorate. And it's been really interesting seeing the potential barriers to the application as well and how I can try and work around this. I really started to doubt myself and whether I was good enough to apply for the clinical psychology doctorate, but this has really given me the confidence boost that I needed to give it a shot, so the biggest thank you ever. Coming up in today's episode, I am talking to Matthew, who is an early career psychologist. He is in the middle of his undergraduate psychology degree, and we are talking about research, how he has managed to get himself such robust, important research experience before he has even graduated. It is a brilliant episode. I challenge you not to be riveted and so interested and inspired. I feel inspired. I feel in awe having met him. Hope you find it so useful.
1: If you're looking to become a psychologist and let this be your guide Podcast that feels sad to be on the way to being qualified. is the Aspiring Psychologist Podcast with Dr. Marianne Trent.
0: Hi, welcome along to the Aspiring Psychologist Podcast. I am Dr. Marianne Trent and I am a qualified clinical psychologist. I hope that you are well wherever you are listening to this in the world um, and whatever stage of your career that you are at. Um, I know that people listen to this podcast or watch it on YouTube from a variety of different locations around the world and from different stages of their career. Um, And people do pitch to me, um, you know, and I love receiving pitches. So today's episode is the result of a pitch that someone made to me. If you have ideas, for a podcast topic that you think will be an interesting and useful listen to people that are on their journey um, as aspiring psychologists or even as um, qualified psychologists for that matter, do please let me know. Please also do remember that the Aspiring Psychologist Collective book and the Clinical Psychologist book are both available. There will be links in the show notes and in the description, how you can get your hands on that. Back listens to aspiring psychologist podcast episodes can be really useful for helping you to learn and understand topics that you might feel you need strengthening. Do also consider the aspiring psychologist membership. Um, and you can come out and hang out with me on the aspiring psychologist community on Facebook as well. I hope you will find today's episode so, so useful. We do discuss some tricky kind of brain concept and structure issues, um, but uh, Matthew describes it all beautifully and brilliantly, so I hope you will find it useful. I would love any feedback that you've got. Please do, if you're watching on YouTube, let me know what you think to the content in the comments. Please do like and subscribe whilst you're there as well, and I will look forward to catching up with you on the other side of meeting Matthew. I hope you enjoy it. See you soon. Hi, I just want to welcome along our guest for today, Matthew. Uh, Matthew is an early career psychologist. He is in year three of a four-year psychology undergraduate degree. Is that right, Matthew?
2: Yeah, that's perfect. Yeah. (laughs)
0: Lovely. All right. Well, thank you so much for coming here today. And you reached out to me on LinkedIn um, because... You kind of, you pitched an episode to me, which I love. So thank you for doing that. Um, and it was, you wanted to kind of talk a bit about research, but before we do that, if we could have a little bit of a chat about you and why you chose psychology and how your studies going.
2: Sure. Yeah. Um, well, first of all, thanks for having me, you know, uh, definitely the, the podcast and all the content has been very helpful, you know, navigating uh, career paths and, and all of that. So uh, thanks for having me. Um, but yeah, I grew up in Chum in Galway, County Galway in Ireland. I'm currently living in Galway City. Um, and I'm in my third year, as you said. I like exercising in my free time. I, I love psychology, obviously. Uh Yeah. <laughs>
0: Thank you. Somewhat put you on the spot there, didn't I? So um, you are in Galway, which is where I recently came to do a keynote speech. And I just have to say, I absolutely loved the city and found everybody so welcoming. I think you couldn't be there that day. So we haven't met in person. But um, yeah, like just incredible. And just a little plug, if anyone wants to watch the uh, vlog episode of my trip to um, Galway. Matthew says it's quite good. <laughs> so I'll take
1: that, yep. take that
0: as credit. <laughs> Thank you. All right. So, um, how come your unit is a four year course?
2: Uh, so, we're actually the first cohort that's uh, doing year three of four. Um, so, originally, every other year it was first year and you do psychology and you pick two other subjects. So, I pick Spanish and philosophy. And then your second year is just psychology. Um, it, it's very competitive. It depends kind of what, what grades you get. You know, you might have to do two subjects, um, but generally it was a three year course. So this year is the first time they're, they're trying out a, a third year. So people are going abroad uh, to study in different universities. People are doing research placements, uh, work placements and kind of educational settings or um, maybe like charity services and, uh, or organizations. It's been really amazing like this the modules we have this semester a lot of electives um, like medical psychology kind of seeing how psychology is applied in medical settings which has been really really interesting and community psychology is definitely one of my favorites so far we're kind of learning about like stuff alternative methods, methods to like the scientific method the standard one maybe how you can work with communities and looking at like the role of a psychologist less as like a, a power dynamic and more of how you can um kind of let communities guide the, the whole process and really integrate them in in research and, and practices and stuff like that so i'm just talking about societal issues like misogyny racism and decolon- decolonization uh, a lot of a lot of really broad but but really important topics uh so um yeah, it's just been great, really, and and the class is a lot smaller this year, so we're all getting to know each other more, and we're planning the night out now, so it's so we're all it's, it's a nice nice uh, energy in the class, you know. <laughs>
0: oh good that sounds like a really you know it's funny you should use the word energy because you sound energized by it you sound like you're like (laughs) oh my days i can't believe i get to learn this you know um this is so exciting i know that before we hit record you'd said that you'd actually done a couple of years as a different undergraduate degree to begin with do you think that's kind of left you with renewed vigor to really embrace this that feels right this time
2: um yeah for sure i think I think I definitely felt very lucky, like, that I had another chance to study something else, you know, um, just because of money and everything, you know. uh, But, yeah, I left home when I was 17, so I guess I really, like, didn't really know, (laughs) you know, how to, like, manage money properly. And I guess, like, I was being a teenager, like, having fun and doing what you do when you go to college first. uh, But um, I did animation first for a year, and that that was a very good course. It was in Athlone. Uh, I think we were the first ever... Um, like students to do that course though we are the first entry year so I guess there's a lot of issues around funding and stuff uh, and getting materials and sometimes lectures uh, kind of dropped out and there's a there's a lot of stuff there so I, I actually changed to music then I did music for a couple of months <laughs> and then uh, then I left that and I decided I'm, I was going to work for a while and kind of really decide what I wanted to do um, so I ended up with a I, I applied to university, but I actually got rejected because I hadn't done a, a language in my leave insert. Uh so I did a level five course kind of uh in applied social studies and there was a psychology module there. And we were doing all like the the standard like Freud and very like like al- almost pop psychology kind of stuff. And uh I, I just really enjoyed it, like the case studies and we did like human growth and development. Um so I, I just loved it and then I got into University of Galway through that course, um, uh, thankfully, and then I took psychology and then I transferred from that into denominated psychology and, and yeah, I just, I, I feel super lucky every day to be studying it, and, and just, like, really happy, really uh, engaged, you know.
0: Uh. love that and honestly, that's how yeah. I feel about my life, like, and my yeah. career, I just, it beams out of me I love it I can't believe I get to do this and people listen to me and and I also get to work clinically as well and that's really helpful for people um I just yeah just I pinch myself do you see yourself going into a psychology profession
2: um yeah ideally I'd, I'd love to go down the route of, of clinical psychology uh, since the summer uh working on on that paper I I definitely geared towards like maybe clinical neuropsychology if like if that would be possible you know at uh, it's a long road, but I ideally, you know, I'd like to do something like that. Maybe um yeah, I, I'd love to work in psychology. I, I'm I'm trying not to limit myself too much in, in terms of what what route I go down. Uh but whatever I'll be lucky enough to partake in, I guess, you know.
0: Yeah, I think you know, you just you make the choices that are right for you at that time and you know, you learn along the way and maybe you will like particular areas, maybe you won't, but it's, you know, keeping the things that work well for you and learning from the bits that don't go so well. In the UK, I think in terms of clinical neuropsychology, you do your clinical psychology and then do a master's in neuropsychology. Um, does your undergraduate confer the um, British Psychological Society kind of mark of approval or in order to get onto UK doctorates, or is it, is it a little bit different um, with you being in Ireland?
2: Um, as far as I know, I think so because I know the HSE, like the health services here, uh, for assistant psychologist roles, they look for like degrees that are accredited by the PSI, the Irish Psychological Society, or the okay. the uh, British British one. So
0: yeah, okay, I lovely. So, so uh, I guess that means hopefully you've got options available for you to train in Ireland or maybe in the UK as well.
2: Yeah, that would be great. Yeah, hopefully. <laughs>
0: <laughs> so you mentioned your research paper there. Could you tell us a little bit about what you've been up to?
2: Uh, yeah, so last year they sent out a call for kind of scholarships during the summer, uh, research internships. And I sent an email to one of my uh, lecturers, uh, Dr. Tom Burke. He's a clinical neuropsychologist in the hospital in Galway here. And um, I, I told him I had an interest in schizophrenia and kind of like social cognition Um personality disorders and and different stuff like that so he recommended to apply for a neuroscience the Galway neuroscience uh, scholarship Um, so he kind of told me like there's a a data set they've already collected they've been working on called Irelate a very big data set of people living with schizophrenia and um, kind of different social cognition tests and uh, childhood trauma and, and genetics as well um, so yeah uh, he said I could work on that data set and maybe to pick a white matter tract so I did some research and came up with the uncinate fasciculus it's a like very really know it's like a frontal white matter tract and uh, he was like unbelievably helpful like super supportive I definitely wouldn't have been able to do any of it <clears throat> without his guidance uh, so he guided me along and we came up with an idea for um the relationship between emotion recognition uh so like uh I, f- I suppose a facet of social cog is, is emotion recognition, uh, the unsunit and um childhood trauma. Uh so we kind of looked at the, the relationship between those three and kind of whether uh physical neglect in childhood kind of mediated the relationship between um uh social cognition and uh uh schiz- and uh, sorry the development of the unsunny fasciculus in, in the brain.
0: With the theory being that the tract is somehow linked and important to whether someone does or doesn't develop schizophrenia, is that that where it's rooted in
2: uh, yeah, so sort, sort of kind of maybe it might be to do with social cognition um, and we we're kind of thinking maybe childhood trauma affects uh, the development of of the that white matter tract, and then through affecting that as the person grows older, their emotion recognition might be. Uh, negatively affected and then that could contribute to the development of schizophrenia that they might already be at risk for or other factors might be playing risk but it it was really interesting in the research looking at I suppose how emotion recognition can play into someone who might be experiencing psychosis or at risk they they actually found that poor emotion recognition of neutral faces uh, was predictive of transition to psychosis in people who are at risk so someone might be talking to, to someone in a social setting and, and then they're, they're picking up uh, maybe an angry face from someone who has a neutral expression. And maybe if that person already is, is at risk and maybe has maybe some delusional thinking or uh, kind of paranoid thought styles that they might start thinking, oh, this person's angry at me and could cause a lot of distress then I suppose.
0: Yeah. And that's got really useful utility for even for us working with people um, in, with psychosis, because actually when we were using our listening faces, they might look quite blank, they might look quite neutral. And if that can be interpreted really like negatively or hostilely, is that a word? Um, yeah. Then that's problematic, isn't it? So I guess this is why I love research because it teaches us so much about the person about their experience of the world. And you know, how to understand and make things less less friction you know, so that things yes. work better all round and that people have a better experience of it. You mentioned a data set there, but um it wasn't one I'm familiar with. Could you tell us what the data set is? How do you spell the data set that you mentioned?
2: Um, so it's like a lowercase I and then the word relate, uh, so R E L A T E. I'm not in I'm not you know I I don't fully understand the the whole project It's a very big project uh but it's it's ongoing there's been a lot of papers published from it and it's uh they did a big kind of neuroimaging on on people living with schizophrenia and social cognition tests um you know and uh, kind of what what my uh, supervisor uh Dr Burke said to me was these people have given their time you know to for us to collect this data so it's important that we kind of use it to the fullest that we can um to you know benefit other people um so yeah there's actually a really interesting documentary uh, about schizophrenia on rte i'm not sure it's not on rte now but if you look it up online it might come up and there's lecturers from uh university of Galway and from the i project and the lead of that project professor gary o'donoghue um and he talks about schizophrenia and about the project and and uh yeah it's it's really fascinating if anyone's interested.
0: Sounds great I can see why this has kind of evoked this interest in you and I guess what I really love is that you're learning so much at a stage of your career where actually usually we're probably quite limited just to textbooks but you're you're seeing like real world applications and real world real world research um, for this and I think that lights you up you know and but but kudos to you as well Matthew because you're clearly the kind of guy that that reaches out and asks for opportunities you know like you did with coming on the podcast and like you did with even approaching the professor at, at galway uni you know you you have the it's similar to me you have the idea and you give yourself permission to to ask and to explore um and you know the worst they can ever do is say no um but you never know where it might lead
2: yeah i i think something i've learned the last few years is that you know it's always worth taking chances you know uh, a lot of the a lot of the good things that have happened over the past few years is because other pe- people get me chances and I kind of give myself a chance in a, in a, in a lot of situations. Uh, just like earlier this year, I, I started, uh, I used to do boxing when I was younger. I kind of lost it for a while. So I, I went back, I started MMA and uh, that was just like, you know, obviously I was super nervous beforehand, but it was just something like throwing myself in there and and um, challenging myself with something new and kind of giving, giving myself a chance to I guess to to take a chance um and see what happens and it's honestly been one of the best decisions in my life you know just it's been so important for connecting myself back with my body while i'm while i'm kind of psychology can can get very up here so it's kind of an important balance for me to 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 have both
0: of them. yeah exercise is only something i've really come to a latter stage of my current life i was a say latter life but i'm only 42. um yeah like it just wasn't something that was around for me but i really really enjoy it now and i like you say it helps me to to balance myself kind of um yeah body and mind so with your um You know absolutely what you said is right that the professor had said we've got a duty of care really to to do everything we can with this research with these um you know this data that the people have given so freely of their time to create so what did you do with it what happened next
2: yeah so um we had i think just about 105 um uh well 58 participants and then uh, I'm not sure 116 whatever double that is. Uh, I had to basically use a, a software. It's a diffusion diffusion tensor imaging software. Uh, so we had all the MRI scans, and then they were transferred to um, I think a, a DTI file. And then I used that program. It was it was really fascinating. I was a bit it was a bit mind blown at the time. I could basically see their their brain scan in kind of 3D. And um part of the internship was to learn how to segment a tract. Uh, so to basically get rid of all the other white matter tracts and, and single out on this specific one. And then we used a measure called fractional anisotrophy, so kind of a measure of the the uh water diffusion in the in the tract and how um the integrity of the tract. So whether those water molecules are really like densely packed together or kind of sparsed out. And that can kind of, I suppose, by looking at other research, that can give us an an indication of how well kind of functioning it is. Uh, So, um, like, my supervisor gave a really good uh, analogy of it. It's kind of like a road uh, from one place to another. And the white matter tract is like the road sending the information. And then if there's, like, potholes on that road, it can kind of, the information can get a bit damaged on the way. Um, So, basically, I went through just over 100... um, left and right um on the left and right sides of the brain um so the bilateral units uh segmented all of those and we we ran the statistics on the um on the fa values and then we had pre-collected social cognition uh tests uh data so and childhood trauma so we just kind of did some like mediation analysis and correlations and kind of uh seeing what was coming out of those and uh and yeah. yeah.
0: Absolutely incredible. And hearing you speak, like, even I don't know what <laughs>
2: this
0: stuff is. Like, it's amazing. Like, even that you get to know this stuff and you get to be so competent um, and you know capable at what you're talking about and what you're understanding. This is massively important. And you know, it sounds like you, you know, just really found a really wonderful opportunity where you've been able to help. You know a research process but you've also learned so much and you know that will be useful for you in all of your areas of your career in future you know you'll have this understanding about the way that the brain works and what what might stop it from working and A really important part of what we do in this profession of ours is to do the psychoeducation for people and to de-shame a process in helping people to understand what might be going on for them and how it's not their fault. And I think sometimes being able to really talk about the neurobiology of someone's brain can be really, really powerful. So you've absolutely got a head start in that regard. Um, Did you publish? Are you in the process of publishing?
2: um yeah so we're actually uh in the it's it's a whole new learning experience the, the process of publishing um it's it's very you know uh the, i mean yeah we're in the process of kind of uh communicating with reviewer feedback peer reviewer feedback uh right now so um it's it's quite intense but not not in a bad way you know it's definitely a really good learning curve um so me and my supervisor he's actually out of the country at the moment so we're kind of Going back and forth on emails and doing all the track changes and, and kind of addressing some of the the comments uh but, but again uh, it's really helpful
0: yeah i absolutely hate track changes honestly yeah.
2: <laughs> yeah, i
0: really i hate it with an absolute passion and I can never manage to get everything to disappear off the screen when it's, it still says there's some there and you're like, there's nothing, there's nothing. <laughs> um, yeah, I, I'm more of a fan of a comment box than track changes. Oh, it doesn't, doesn't play well with me. You've done well there to not say this process is frustrating and tedious because <laughs> I know it absolutely can be. And then waiting for yeah. waiting, the exquisite torture of waiting for other people to kind of do their bits can be really, really difficult. Do you know what kind of, what level of authorship you're going to be you know first second third fourth. how does it how does it look for you at the moment matthew
2: uh so um again like my supervisor dr burke he's been like uh, really amazing in like guiding me through this process and really advocating you know uh i suppose for me to be a part of it and uh um yeah so he's he's went out of his way to put me as first author and uh yeah so that is how it's looking so that better. is
0: so nice. What a lovely guy. And I was yeah. hoping you'd say that because yeah. this sounds like your baby. Um, yeah. And, you know, absolutely amazing. What sort of period of time are we talking about from when you first started, really, to to now, to having it kind of, you know, the um, peer review comments and all of that jazz?
2: Uh, yeah, so I think it was around the middle of May that, that we kind of, we sure about what we were doing, and we did a pre-registration as well. Um, um, and then once we kind of did that, we started around, I think, the, the middle of May, maybe like just before June, and then uh, we wrapped up at the end of August. Then uh, because I, I was starting back on, on my the semester <laughs> on the on September. So, uh, so yeah, just I, I suppose those those kind of three months was where the, the bulk of it was was done. Yeah,
0: amazing. Yeah. And then you just yeah. kind of written up. Since then, or you wrote up in that process as well?
2: Um, yeah, so we did the pre-registration, and then we kind of we were kind of writing bits as we were going. I did like the literature search, and I did kind of a t- almost like a meta-analysis table for that kind of layout. Everything we had, um, and then the methods were were pretty much the same for from other papers we had done, uh, just because it's pre-collected data. Um, and then it was just the results in the discussion really once we had everything collected. Uh, so, yeah, August was was really the writing up the paper section. Okay.
0: Incredible. What an amazing way to use your summer break in a really productive way. You know, future Matthew will absolutely thank you for this because it will also, you know, it's, it's an area of psychology that people often feel daunted by and, and don't understand and will kind of, hide and run away from but actually you've really embraced this and you know that will pay you rich dividends you know it will look great on your forms for applications as well but it means that you will you know when you go to services you will you will look for research opportunities you will look for audit opportunities and you know you will be thinking as a research practitioner which is absolutely what we we train our psychologists to be so I'm just blown away absolutely blown away by what you've been able to achieve and you know this takes dogged determination this takes showing up day out day after day and you know this is likely an unpaid internship and so this is just your passion for developing your own career but helping others at the same time I think it's really really admirable.
2: Yeah I I think um you know, I had a fantastic time. I, I think it's also, you know, a credit to the a lot of the staff and, and the resources and support in, in the university as well. Um, you know, I, I originally applied for a health research board uh, scholarship that would have been more focused on kind of stroke victims and things like that. Um, so it was my supervisor that kind of directed me to um, the neuroscience scholarship and really just hands-on, you know, so it's definitely a credit to him. He, he really allowed me to... to to be there and kind of work at it then. So I, I definitely felt an obligation then to to make sure I, I did all I could. You know.
0: Okay, so the scholarship means that you get some sort of remuneration, does it? Is that what the scholarship entails? You? you don't need to share figures with us, but how does oh, yeah. it work from a scholarship angle? Uh,
2: yeah, so the scholarship was actually eight weeks. Um, so we had a, it, it's not just psychology, the scholarship is kind of all like medicine and a lot of different areas in the college. Uh, so you pick a supervisor. Put forward a project, and uh, and then hopefully you get the scholarship, and then you have eight weeks to kind of work on the scholarship together. Um, so yeah, we did that, and, and thankfully we got the approval. And uh, then so that so that was a, a paid a scholarship for two months, and then the third month, um, thankfully they they extended extended it for another month uh, just through funding of the Irelate project because uh, we were still writing up the the paper. So. So thankfully, yeah.
1: yeah.
0: Isn't it amazing though? Because actually, you know, I know that not everyone can work for free, but for that sort of experience, you might have been like, I've, d- I've done it for free. <laughs> like <Yeah. laughs> I've learned so much, it's been so brilliant, but you know, getting pay is a bonus. And you know, we should be paid for our time. We should know that it's okay for you to earn money out of your really intricate, complex skills that you've learned over time. And that is real hours that you spent looking at all that data and collating it and putting it all together. And so, you know, absolutely. I know it's contentious, honorary or voluntary work, but we do deserve to be paid. We're we're highly skilled, um, and yeah, I'm, I'm thrilled you were paid. But uh, you know, I absolutely would have. I know I would have done it for free if I'd been able in a position to afford it as well.
2: Yeah, yeah, same. Yeah, you know, I. It, I almost forgot about it at points, you know, that, that it it was paid as well, which is great. Um, you know, I, I guess on the other side of things, I, I'm happy it was paid as well, because I, I guess I wouldn't have been able to, to fully do it for three months. Uh, I work in a hotel as well at the uh, part time. And usually during the summers, I'd work full time, you know, to kind of uh, save up for my fees when I was paying them or, or rent or stuff like that. So it it felt very surreal as well to to be studying something and then uh, be getting paid for it, even though I still felt like, I, you know, I technically don't have a degree in psychology at all at the moment. So it, it did feel a bit kind of, maybe a bit of imposter syndrome, but not not too much, you know, in, in the beginning days, I guess.
0: Yeah. yeah. And when people are doing counselling degrees or counselling psychology degrees or um, professional qualifications, they kind of often tell me that they're having to work whilst they're, whilst they're doing their doctorate qualifications. And then they graduate, they're professionally qualified, they get like a, a band seven or, or equivalent post. And then they're like, all right, I just have to do one job, this,
1: yeah. is,
0: this, is, this is novel and I'm getting paid a reasonable wage, wow, this is, ooh, this is radical. Um, yeah. But yeah, like people yeah. do, you know, I worked when I was at uni as well, I worked with disabled students. I just, I loved thinking about my undergraduate degree as an opportunity to learn stuff at the same time and I think it's a really exceptional way of making a really wise head start in your profession, because it's it's not. I don't. I can't speak for you, but for me, it wasn't terrifically labour intensive. I think there was a minimum, maybe even a maximum of ten hours a week, including seminars. You know, it wasn't yeah. <laughs> it wasn't a big demand on my time, and so absolutely, I could have done more than I even did.
2: Thankfully, this year now the third year we're doing is is not. Um, I suppose it's not contributing to our final grade, so it's nice in that way to give us kind of, um, I guess, less. Not less pressure to do well, we still want to do well, but I suppose more and more space to to focus on what we're learning, uh, as opposed to pressure on assignments, uh, which is really nice.
0: Yeah, and also, you know, given your age, it gives you all of your cohort more time for your own brains to develop to be able to get yourselves to be in the position where you're able to really immerse yourself in your final year to get your best possible. Great, so that you are performing optimally. So that's kind of it's kind of nice. You get a bonus year to learn, to see what excites you, to see what you like, what you don't, um and yeah, you get these little information nuggets that you just get to store. That you suddenly like, oh, I remember something about that, and then you, yeah, you just it builds that level of confidence. I think to be able to think about things in future. So, oh lovely 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 to talk to you but why if someone is perhaps an earlier career psychologist than you maybe they're doing um you know they're still in their sixth form education and they're thinking oh i don't know about psychology you know should i shouldn't i isn't everyone doing that what's the point what would you say why should people consider doing a psychology undergraduate degree
2: yeah i think um i think psychology is incredibly unique in that um I suppose the more you immerse yourself and learn about the subjects, it, it, it can kind of run in tangent with, with your own personal growth. Uh, you know, the things you learn, I suppose, as you get older or you go through different experiences, it can it can change, like, how you learn about the things in your course or, like you said, those nuggets can kind of pop up again and like, oh, yeah, that I learned that last year, but it makes more sense now after you've experienced something or you, you think a bit more. Um, I, I think it's so applicable to all situations of your life kind of i suppose like introspective situations thinking about your own kind of suppose, internal human condition and stuff and then uh kind of out, outside of yourself as well like i, I was saying i work in a, in a hotel so i'm an accommodation supervisor so we kind of have you know cleaners and and guests and that that's a very kind of interactive interpersonal uh, position you know where I, I guess like one example was was uh we had a guest that was very angry one time and she was just very upset you know right rightfully so she left her phone charger in the room and and she was she was very upset because everybody who was talking to her seemed to to say no it's not in the room it's definitely not there and and uh, i i talked to her on the phone and uh the first thing i said to her was like you know i believe you i believe that the charger was in the room and uh it's it's i just tried to validate her feelings first and then then let her know um we have a procedure for lost property it's just not here but i do believe you that's she was kind of more upset that people weren't didn't seem to be hearing her you know um so i think uh little situations like that is is just where i feel like uh before i started the the degree it's really just and to now it's really just opened up my mind on on so many different areas of of myself personally but also externally as well you know
0: brilliant what a brilliant real world example and you know it's really annoying to lose your phone charger because then you can't charge yes. your phone and i speak from a very recent experience of my ipad charger having broken and to replace it 48 pounds like it's not, oh. a, it's, not it's not a small amount of money you know And if no. you have to layer on the fact that oh no i've forgotten it and there's all that you know blame and shame and all of that like i've caused my own misery like it's really yeah. challenging but yeah it sounds like you're a, a wonderful member of that team to be able to kind of draw everything together and you know I love what you say about the human condition it's absolutely true if you've got any advice for anybody that's specifically Matthew-ish you know um, about how to reduce burnout when you're an aspiring psychologist what would you say?
2: I think socialising is incredibly important you know if you're introverted that's okay not to force yourself to to be someone else but I suppose find um, social situations where you feel comfortable you know something you have an interest in maybe it's society in college or um maybe something simple like asking a friend to go to the arcade or play soccer or whatever whatever you're interested in you know personally for me it was it was kind of starting up something i had an interest in it may have in with my younger self i used to like boxing so I, i started the mma again and that was a a place where i could just go and fully be in my body and and leave all like psychology or anything just outside the door and um that that was very helpful for like reducing that that kind of burnout um think I think where burnout comes in is when it's just constantly running on your mind and if you have not half an hour free you're, you're anxious because you're thinking about forgetting something or you know an assignment or something so I think doing something where you can be fully in your body uh, and is, is very helpful
0: yeah and you describe so beautifully the process of mindfulness there and why it can be so Empowering and you know wholesome, whereas actually mindfulness gets a bit of a yawny bad rep, I think. Um, but what it is is it's just allowing yourself to literally do what you're doing in that moment without being distracted by all of the noise and the chatter. Um, and for me, like. Every lunchtime when I'm at home, I will <laughs> – that's awful. I'm not eating a mindful lunch because what I'm doing is I've got, like, these games that I play on my iPad, homescapes and gardenscapes. I am a bit of a homescapes and gardenscapes geek. But it allows me to literally just focus on that and the enjoyment of my food without all the noise in the chatter or the kids' stuff that I've got to do and my clients and the podcast and, you know, my aspiring psychologist stuff. And I just – It gives me a really wonderful mindful break in the day so I absolutely hear what you say and I and I love it and support it
2: yeah for sure I think uh you know that was something I definitely had to kind of learn uh by fire I suppose like in my in my second year um or or even in my first year you know we have a in the university uh the, the points are quite high to get into denominated psychology so we have a there's a system where the top 15 people in the class uh, can, or maybe a bit more than that, can transfer to denominated if you didn't uh, get it originally by by leaving points. So I suppose there's a lot of pressure, you know, in first year on people, you know, and people might not even want to tell them each other what their goal is. You know, everyone's kind of looking at each other a bit competitively. And uh, then kind of when you start second year, the workload goes up and it's kind of already a bit burned out from first year. So I really had to learn to kind of Yeah, prioritise kind of my my physical health and and mental health.
0: I'm just in awe of you, Matthew. (laughs) And that is what I will say in your intro and outro. Like, I'm excited for your career in future. I would like you to keep me posted on how things go. And thank you for empowering so many people to think about how they can gain research experience or any opportunity for that matter. I think it's going to be such a wonderfully well-received episode so thank you for pitching it to me and thank you for the really important work that you're doing and yeah let me know how your degree classification goes next year
2: for sure yeah thanks so much for having me and uh, for all the content as well and and the book everything has been incredibly helpful so thanks so much
0: oh well you're so welcome like I said I I just love it (laughs) it doesn't feel like work it feels like a privilege to do what I do and I hope that you continue to feel that way about about this profession. So thank you so much. Um, look after wonderful Galway, I'm sure I'll be back in future.
2: <laughs> yeah, definitely, thanks so much, thank you.
0: Thank you. Oh my gosh, what a guy, what an inspiration. Um, I really would love you to like this episode and give Matthew some kudos because He's just, oh, he's like a force to be reckoned with, isn't he? And he does it all with such a laid-back approach. (laughs) Like, um, oh, I just did this thing, did this, you know, correlated this, did that, looked at that. What a guy, you know, just really inspirational. And so, yeah, I hope that you find it awe-inspiring. I hope that it helps you think about what, what your Achilles heels might be and how you might go about strengthening them. So yeah let me know what you think do um yeah do please watch the galway episode that we spoke about as well it's about my experiences of being a keynote speaker for the irish psychological society you may also find it helpful to watch the replay q and a sessions which you can do by going to my youtube channel going to the live videos or clicking on the playlist option for Q&A sessions. People say really wonderful things about them as being helpful for their psychology applications and then also there's some there for interviews as well. Thank you so much for being part of my world. I will look forward to catching up with you for the next episode of the podcast which will be along to you from 6am on Monday. Take care.
1: If you're looking to become a psychologist, then let this be your guide. With this podcast at your side, you'll be on your way to being qualified. It's the Aspiring Psychologist Podcast with Dr. Marianne Trent. Hello, my name is Veronika Kasova. I live in Edinburgh and I just graduated with a Masters in Psychology of Mental Health. Marian recommended me the Clinical Psychologist Collective when I was networking on LinkedIn and I must say I love it. Um, it is one of a kind. It's like a window into the lives of people on the path of becoming a psychologist. The stories are unique, honest and filled with a kind of Intangible wisdom only personal storytelling can uncover. A common thread in the stories I valued most was to be compassionate not only with others but with myself too. Also, not fixating on becoming a psychologist but enjoying life, growth, and the final results will come as a byproduct. Marianne, thank you for taking the time to collate all the stories. The book is a true gem and I think every aspiring psychologist should have a copy on their shelf. Thank you.